excited, man. I am glad to be here. Praise the Lord. And, and Brother Dave, you've set me right up perfectly. Amen. I appreciate, you know, good preaching. I appreciate a good church. Amen. I appreciate the Lord giving me the opportunity to do what we've been able to do and see for 42 years now. And uh, if you're looking for regrets or sorrow or, boy, I wish I hadn't done that, or, you know, returns, they might have a line at Walmart, probably not anymore. They used to have a line where you could return things you didn't like. But if you're looking for an unhappy customer, don't look here. Amen. Amen. You won't find one. And what that song is just singing about, man, I'm telling you, that's trying. You know, what we're trying to do this with this week. We're trying to get you to realize that you'll not get a better deal than you'll get from Jesus Christ. If you'll just sell out lock, stock and barrel, hair, hide and all, get in with every ounce and every fiber of your being, get into what God wants you to do and do it with all your might and you will never regret it. Amen. I'm sitting there thinking as he's doing some of his opening remarks that, you know, just what God's done over the years and, and now I'm up in years and, you know, I've, I've got people even still overseas begging me to come. And uh, right now I'm having a hard time going because of some health issues. But you know what? Uh, I got diabetes and it's a blessing. Say why? Because I'm learning things I never knew before. Amen. And I'm seeing things from God I've never seen before. One of the problems I've got is I've had this breathing problem. And at night, I have to have a breathing machine. If I don't, they tell me I won't be here in the morning. Amen. So I go to bed. I take a nap. I put the thing on. I mean, it's just one of them things you got to do. But they tell me if you lose enough weight, you get to where you don't need that thing. You know what I've lost since they said I got diabetes? 21 pounds. Amen. I'm on my way. Amen. If I can get rid of that machine, I can travel more. Amen. I can do more. I'm having the time of my life. Amen. Take your Bible, go to Jeremiah chapter 33. And this morning I woke up with this on my heart and uh, the Lord began to fill it in and, and Brother Spurgeon filled it in some and your pastor filled it in some and now we'll see what I can fill in. Amen. Jeremiah 33. One of, the, one of my heroes, the very first time I ever met Brother Spurgeon I was on the road quite a bit at the time, and I'd heard he'd gotten in the church there and gotten saved at, charity, at the jail and was at charity. And, and Brother Estep pulled up to a meeting I was in, and Brother Spurgeon was driving. And he, would look to, he doesn't look like he does now. Amen. He looked a lot different. And I thought, my, 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 that must be Dave Spurgeon. Amen. Amen. And I sure am glad we met. Amen. I'm sure I'm glad he's my friend. Amen. Amen. And uh, I was pastoring and when he first started out in evangelism and we had him in our church and I couldn't be there that Sunday. Man, it broke my heart. Something came up and I had to leave. But you know what? I didn't worry about it. Why? Because I knew this. Brother Estep, my pastor at the time, Brother Estep had faith in that man. If he had faith in that man, I'm going to have faith in that man. Amen. You know? Uh, Brother Step never turned me upside down, inside out, or gave me something I couldn't trust. Amen. He always gave me something that was true and right out of that book. 
Amen. That's exactly what Brother Spurgeon brought to us that day. That's exactly what he brought tonight. We're going to try to do the same. Amen. Jeremiah 33, verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time, while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. Father, the best I know how, I give you this vessel once again. God, I plead the blood of my Savior over it. And I ask you, Lord, to fill it to overflowing with the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And Lord, may it find lodging in our hearts. And God, may it perform the purpose whereunto you sent it. And we'll thank you for it. Speak to hearts now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm reading this morning. I'm meditating. And, and the Lord started this thing out, gave me this text. And, and uh, I got thinking about this thing. You know, Jesus told those disciples that they couldn't cast a devil out of a child. And the reason was they did not believe. Amen. They did not believe. He said, because of your unbelief. Well, here's God giving a promise. Amen. Call unto me and I will answer thee. Do you believe? Now, I'm not trying to do a name it, claim it here. We're not that far. Okay. Just stay with me for a minute. Amen. We're going to throw a little wood on the fire. Amen. But because of your unbelief. Verily I say unto you, if you had faith as grain of mustard seed, ye shall say to this mountain, uh, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. You know what the greatest hindrance, that verse, amen, is a great prayer promise. You know what the greatest hindrance, amen, to prayer, our prayers are? Us. Amen. Our own unbelief. Amen. And listen, I found this. It's not just belief, amen. It's belief in that book. Do you believe that book tonight? I mean, we wave it. I love the old Bible, the precious. But do you believe it? Do you believe the periods? Do you believe the commas? Do you believe the quotations? Do you believe the italicized words? Well, you know, they were put in there. Do you believe them? I can show you in there where some of those italicized words, amen, are the word God. Amen. What's that tell you? They weren't in the Greek. Amen. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you. I believe every word in that King James Bible was put there by God on purpose for me. Amen. And you ain't taking it from me. Amen. And when you get to praying, you ain't got to get down and say, now, God, I believe you. God already knows in your heart. Amen. And there's going to be some times in your life when you're going to need to call unto God and you ain't going to have time to get down and pray, you know, a whole list of things. I mean, you ain't going to have but a split second. Why? Because your life may depend on it. I'll give you some illustrations as we go down the line. I'm not trying. Listen, if you think I'm here to brag, you got it all wrong. I'm trying to encourage you, amen, to get a walk with God to the point where when you need it, you can talk to God and get the answer. Amen. Why? Because, hey, he wanted us to help you with these end times and this year and the way things are going. And it ain't going to get better, beloved. Amen. And I'm not here to magnify and tell you all about it. You know what's going to happen. Read your Bible. Amen. But you and I are going to have to face the storms. Why? Because those folk out there, just what he just got through preaching, need Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so here it is. They didn't believe. But you know what? In trials and temptations, uh, you, know, you might ask, uh, you consider yourself a great prayer warrior? No. 
Not at all. But you know what I do know? I know some. Listen, I had a lady, old lady used to pray for me. Her name was Susie. And I knew the moment she died, Brother Joe, with no doubt in my mind, because there's a big hole all of a sudden in my armor where she'd been praying. My mother called me that afternoon. She said, I got some bad news. I said, Susie died. She said, how'd you know? I said, she died at 1030 this morning. How did you know that? I said, because I could tell the moment she died because that old gal prayed for me just about without ceasing. And I pled for years for somebody to do that. You know, I finally got after years, years of asking folks to take her place. I said, if I could just get one little old lady that would step up and take that little old lady's place. I got another little old lady. You know what I did today, Brother David? I texted her and her husband. I said, would you pray for me and Brother Dave Spurgeon? We're preaching tonight. Amen. Amen. Why? Because I know. You know what she's doing right now? I know exactly what she's doing. That old gal's praying for me. Man, one night it got real rough. I'm telling you, man, it got hard. And I was like, oh, my soul. I mean, I'm burdened down. And I'm just, oh, man, talking to God. And all of a sudden, man, as I'm praying, it's like I got lifted up to another plane somewhere. And I knew at that moment that that woman was praying for me. And her husband called me the next day and said, preacher, is everything all right? I said, everything's fine, preacher. Why? He said, because I woke up in the middle of the night and his wife's got, she's bad off health-wise. She's elderly and she's got all kinds of stuff I can't even go into right now. But they sleep in two recliner chairs side by side because they can't sleep in a regular bed. He said, I woke up in the middle of the night and he said, I heard her praying. He said, preacher, she was more than burdened for you and she prayed for you all night long. Got quiet. I'm not a prayer warrior. But I can tell you this. I've seen God answer prayer. And it encourages me to keep praying. Amen. It encourages me to keep praying. It encourages me to keep doing. It encourages me to stay at what God's put me at. Amen. One thing I'd like, to, like us to notice here tonight. In, in starting, notice the place where Jeremiah was when God spoke that promise to him. Moreover, the word of the Lord came on Jeremiah the second time while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison. He wasn't in church. He wasn't even in the congregation of the righteous. Sinners all around locked up with him. Amen. He's in prison. And God comes to him with a prayer. A prayer promise. And not only that, the Bible says it came to him the second time. You know why God showed up the second time? Because Jeremiah was where he was supposed to be. Amen. Amen. And most of the time, God can't get to us because we're not where we belong. Amen. We're not where we're supposed to be. Amen. I mean, you know where you're going to find the best prayer answers? Amen. Is when you're in that crucible of trials. When you're going through that thing, amen, that you're just bore down on, it's bore down on you, and you're sweating your bullets, man, trying to figure out what is God doing? Where am I at? What is happening? I must have done something wrong. You ever been there? Man, I'm telling you, we listen to all this 
junk, amen, so long. Thank God for a Bible. Thank God for a Holy Ghost of God, man. Hey, listen, you can be where you know that you know that you know you're in the right place. Amen. I'm telling you, man, if I didn't know for sure I was doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I would not be here. Amen. I know that I know that I know I can look back all the way back through my life, even to when I was lost. And I see the hand of God as a lost boy, God working in my life and teaching me things in my life that I've used all through the ministry. Amen. Amen. And prepared me for what I'm doing. Amen. And so, uh, and God took me to the mission field. And I, hey, I went to the mission field fully expecting to die there an old man. So you were in New Guinea and Africa. Well, I was very careful who invited me to supper. Amen. You'll get that in a minute. Amen. I fully expected to die there an old man. But God had other plans. And uh, I mean, you, you talk about thinking I'm cracked up. I mean, here I am. I mean, and I was trained, man. You go there, you stay there until, you know, you either drop there or, you know, the rapture happens. And so I was preparing to go back there. Came home, did a furlough, trying to go back, tried to kick the doors open. You know what happens when you kick the doors open and God says no? You hurt yourself. Amen. And so, amen, sorting it out with the Bible, walking with God, praying, and getting answers to prayer. Amen. He said, call unto me, and I might answer you. Your NIV might say that, but my Bible don't. Amen. It says, I will answer thee. That's an affirmative. That means it's going to happen. But if you got God's word on it, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. Amen. So the place, where was he? Where he belonged. He belonged right there. Why? Because that's where God sent him. Amen. Whoa, God sent him to prison. Well, where was Paul? Huh? I mean, he could have been dead and in hell, but he wasn't. He's where God sent him. Amen. Sometimes you get sent to do some things that aren't pretty. They aren't fulfilling. They aren't fun. But it's God. Amen. And you know what becomes of it? When you realize it's God, it gets a whole lot sweeter. It gets a whole lot sweeter. Jeremiah smack dab in the middle of God's will. And he's put in prison. And, you know, if we're going to see answers to prayer, we're going to have to be where we're supposed to be. Amen. Amen. We're going to have to be doing what God said do. Uh, Somebody asked, I believe it was John Wesley one time. They said, what would you do if you knew the Lord was coming back at nine o'clock in the morning? Where would you be? What would you be doing? He said, well, I'd be in my garden hoeing my potatoes. What? You know the Lord's come back at 9.30 and you're going to be in your garden holding your potatoes. He said, that's what I do every morning at 9.30. Amen? That's just where I am. That's, that's what my day is. That's what it consists of. Amen? I mean, he's already had, you know, four or five, six hours in prayer and he goes out to take care of his family. Get the food ready. Amen? Right? Just be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And you'll hear from God. Amen. You'll hear from God. He won't leave you out there. He will answer you. The place where Jeremiah was. Then you see the person whom the promise was given. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. Amen. Specifically. Yeah, God's got a specific word for you. Amen. He's got some things you know everybody ought to do. But God's got a place for you. 
See, me, little old me, little old you. Hey, listen, man, when I got saved, the very thought, the very thought that the, the God of glory, I mean, the creator of this universe had a place for me, that blew me away. My pastor would come to me and he said, grab me by this elbow right here. I think God's called you to preach. I said, what? Yeah, man, I think God's called. I said, no, man, no, 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 no. God ain't called me to preach. He did that a few times and finally he said, why are you saying no? I said, preach I'm a hillbilly. He said, what, God don't use hillbillies? It's okay, I guess he does. Amen. Then he said, well, I asked him, I said, why are you saying God's called me to preach? I don't know what you're talking about. I ain't had no call like that. He said, well, look at you. He said, everywhere you go, God opens a door and you open your mouth. I said, well, ain't that what everybody's supposed to do? I just figured that's what a Christian did, man. I had the greatest story to tell, man. I was going to tell everybody. Amen. But the fact that God has a specific will for you. You know what it is tonight? You know what God would have you do? Ah, well, preacher, I'm young. And I, but what are you doing now? See? Or I'm old. And I'm, what are you doing now? What are you doing for God? What have you got that you can look at and see where God's hand was in your life? And God has used you to do something. Say, oh, well, God didn't call me to preach. Well, you know what? God has all kinds of things for people to do. And some of you sitting right here in this building, you've had a hand in all this right here. Amen. Somehow, some way. Amen. You're part of it. You found your place. You found your niche and you're using what you got for God. Amen. Hey, that, what more could you do? I mean, some of you, you're good givers. Amen. You just got it to give and you give. Praise the Lord for that. There is a gift called giving. Amen. Some of you, man, you can pray. Amen. You can get a hold of God. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can get this thing done. Yes, but what's God called you to do? What's God given you? The Bible says that he led captivity captive over there in Ephesians. And what? He gave gifts unto men. What's, what, what, what gift did God give you? You know, the greatest thing, you know, you buy your children gifts, right? Christmas time, right? We use Christmas. You get them, you get them Christmas. Remember that? You get them a little toy truck, you know, that little boy. You give him a truck, right? And, and two hours later, the truck's busted. You know, and there goes the Christmas thing, right? Or you give him a nice bike for his birthday. Amen. And I remember, man, my dad got me a bike one year. My cousin and I, we decided, well, Dave, we'd make choppers out of them. We thought a chopper would be cool, you know. So we did, man. We raked that front end, man. We put a big old another set of forks on the front of that thing. Then we got this idea. You got to jump it. You know, jumping it would be cool. Well, you live in the mountains, man. There's all kinds of places you can make a jump. So we made a plywood jump, right? At the bottom of this hill. Shoo! And then there was another hill after that that we forgot about. We didn't figure we'd go as far as we went. We figured we'd just go plop and then kind of. Well, we come down the hill. We hit that plywood jump. And that bicycle went airborne. And then it went airborne. And it kept going. And it went down over the next one. So we dropped, up, I don't know, probably about, about 12 feet till we hit bottom. And when we hit bottom, we didn't figure on the bike going in nose first like that. You ever seen what happens to extended forks when they hit first? It folds right up in your face and there you are. <laughs> the bike stops and you go over the handlebars. <laughs> There's so much for the bicycle. Amen. <laughs> start over. Start over. Amen. Here it is, man. The person. I mean, it's, 
It's personal. You know, he could have given it to anybody, but he gave it to Jeremiah. Jeremiah himself. Can you imagine being Jeremiah? Being in the prison and the Lord show up? Hey, I got a job for you, Jeremiah. And listen, in that job, there's a promise. I'm going to do this job through you, Jeremiah, if you'll just call. You know what happens all too often? We get used to what we are, don't we? We get used to who we are. And we get thinking, we got a handle on this thing. We're kind of like that two-year-old. Me do. I got this. I got this. You know, I found out I ain't got nothing. (laughs) I'm a mess, man, without God. The person. Then we see the proposal. He said, call unto me. Listen, same proposal given by the Lord there in Matthew 7. When he spoke to the disciples. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. That word shall, again, definitive. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. Him that knocketh it shall be opened. As James put it in James 4, 2, you have not because you ask not. All too often, oh, we got this. We're doing okay. I mean, the bills are paid. You know, things are going all right. And so the prayer life just kind of dwindles down. So what has to happen? Well, God put Jeremiah in a prison. You know, it's easy to call on God when you're in trouble. Brother Roloff used to say, man, I ain't got to worry about a prayer life. I'm always in trouble. I got to pray. Amen. The proposal of the promise is call. All too often, we don't call. Amen. We get, we get a handle on it, so to speak. I still, I'll never forget asking Brother Don Green one time. I, Don Green, I, for years, I called him the holiest man that I know, you know. And I was up there sitting in his office one day, sitting across a desk from him. I looked at him. I said, Brother Green, I said, surely this thing gets easier. He said, Brother I said, you know, this thing of, you know, the battle with the flesh and, you know, just getting this Christianity thing down pat. I mean, sure, surely it gets easier. He looked at me kind of befuddled, you know, bewildered look. And he said, Brother Cliff, you just don't understand, son. The flesh is wicked. I said, I guess you don't get a handle on it, huh? He said, no. Amen. We need We need to call, amen, on a regular basis. And we see the panacea, that's the answer to the problem, that all-encompassing answer, amen, call unto me and I. Hey, you ain't talking to a God of stone. You ain't talking to a God carved into some man's totem pole. You ain't talking to a God that's been formed, uh, amen, by the potter and by the clay and cooked and baked and made into an image, amen. You ain't talking to a God swinging on the mirror, amen. Uh, You ain't talking to a God like that. You're talking to the creator of the universe, amen. I will answer thee. Yet, we tend to believe everything else but, don't we? He said he'd answer you. Well, he won't answer me. Are you where you belong? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Amen. Are you where he put you, doing what he put you there for? Amen. He's going to answer. 
And man, when that answer comes, sometimes it will knock your socks off. Amen. First of all, verse 6, it'll be an answer of peace. Behold, I will bring it health and cure, and I will cure them, and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. Peace. Man, there's nothing like praying in the midst of a storm and knowing God's got this. Amen. Amen. I've seen it, man. We uh, right over here, right over here in uh, just the other side of town where Brother Lovell used to live. His boy lives there now, I think. We used to park there. We'd back in there and I'd go preach with him and preach for him and, and uh, amen, hang out there a while. And uh, one time we parked over there. He was gone. Him and Miss Lovell, they were out. Sugi, they were out doing something. And tornadoes came through. And there was a tornado coming. And we heard the thing. Sound like a freight train. Amen. I mean, it was loud. And, I, you know, I was parked facing with, I guess that's west that way. I don't know which way it is here. Amen. We're faced. The back end of the rig was toward the west. And the storm was coming in that way. I opened the door and I looked back out and there's the tornado. I mean, it's coming our way. They got the thing slated at an F5. I mean, it's half a mile wide and it's coming at us. And ain't time, ain't time, amen, to dig a hole. Ain't time. He ain't got no cellar. Ain't got time to go nowhere but right where I'm at. Amen. I shut the door, got my wife. We got down on our knees and I said, Lord, that storm out there is yours. You created that storm. And you've got a purpose for that storm. But I said, Lord, please, would you split that? Would you please just split that storm and send it around us? That's all I could think of. I'm just praying what's in my heart. I'm not trying to, well, now the barometric pressure is and, and well, I need it. No, man, I'm just praying what comes out of my heart. I want that thing to go around me, man. I don't want to get wiped out. God, would you split that storm and send it around us? Or if you don't, Lord, we're gone. I'm ready to go home. I'm, hey, I'm looking up. But, you know, I mean, if you've got some more for me to do, I'd like to do it. So, you know, Lord, would you split that storm? And I'm telling you, peace came over that motorhome. And there we sat or were actually kneeled. Amen. And all of a sudden, the greatest quiet you've ever heard came over that place. I thought, man, what is that? I didn't dare get up. I was too scared. We stayed there for a good while. And finally, just, okay, it's got to be gone because, I mean, it was, you could see it. It was right out there. Got to be gone. Got up, opened the door. Birds are singing. Birds don't sing in a hurricane or, or a, a, a tornado, you know. I mean, nothing that way, nothing that way. Okay, here we are. I don't know what happened. Six o'clock rolled around. I know, man, I, I, I turned on the six o'clock news just because. Why? Because they got a weatherman on the six o'clock news. And I watched the six, whatever that, what y'all got around, HIO. And the guy's got his weather map. And he's pointing and he says, and right here we have a phenomenon. I do not know what it was called or what to call it. But right here we had an F5 tornado that split. It went two miles down here and came back together. And this place down here got some damage. But they got nothing. I said, and we don't know what to call. I said, I do, I do, I do. God still answers prayer. Amen. You get an answer to peace. I remember being in New Guinea two different times. They're pyromaniacs over there. They love to start fires, especially when it's dry season because everything burns. Only problem is I live in a grass house. 
And they're lighting a fire in my backyard. And we got this stuff called pit pit. It's about like that big around and it'll be about eight foot tall. And it's got a shock on it like corn. It's a miniature bamboo. They'll light that thing and it'll burn, whoosh, you know. And so I'm, I hear this crackling. I'm in my desk at my, in my study. I hear this crackling. I said, that, that, that's a fire. That's a fire, man. I get out, I go around, here comes, and I, you could feel the heat from the fire. I'm in a, I got a, the place I'm in, I got a little room that I had. It was my study, had a metal roof, but right there is my grass hut with a grass roof and everything, man. I said, that thing catches one spark, and it's out of here, man, like that. I'm standing there looking at it, and the fire's coming at me quick enough, and, and wind's blowing it toward me, and the only thing I could think of, I fell on my face. I said, God, I used to be a fireman. I know how to backlight a fire, but I do not have time to backlight this fire. But Lord, that's your fire. You control that thing. They said it, but you're in control of it. And I said, God, you're in control of that wind. If you would turn the wind around and blow that fire back over itself, you could blow it out, Lord. Please, would you do that? And I stood up. And in just a matter of seconds, that wind that was coming at my face was now blowing in my right ear. And in about 30 seconds, it was blowing at the back of my head, and God blew the fire out. Amen. Amen. Listen, hey, what are you trying to say? Look, look, like Bill, Gr Bill Gray said, look, man, just like you, man, just like you. I'm trying to tell you, God will answer you. One other time, same thing happened. Dry season, they lit the same field of fire. Here it comes again. There's no wind that day. I looked over, there was one cloud in the sky. God's my witness. And I said, Lord, that's your cloud. If there's any way, Lord, you can move that cloud and put it over this fire and make rain come out of that cloud, God, would you do it? Anybody want to guess what God did? Look, man, look, look, look. God, God has a job for you. Amen. And God has a purpose for you. That's the next... Amen. P in my outline. Amen. That's going to be an answer of purpose. If you're fulfilling God's purpose, God has a purpose in where you're at. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't put things on your heart to serve him so you can get the glory or so you can look good or so you can get promoted or so you can be the celebrity. I don't like celebrity status, man. I'd rather sit back in the corner somewhere and just serve God. But unfortunately, you get out in front of people, that happens. People get to know you. Amen. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you there's a purpose there. And God's got a purpose for you. And his prayer answers will be the same way. They'll fulfill that purpose that God has for you. Amen. And they'll answer the problem that you're facing. You got a problem? God's got a purpose. Amen. And you just might be smack dab in the middle of God's purpose. You might just be right where you need to be in that storm. Because somebody right close to you needs to hear the message. Amen. I've told you. I mean, I've told my story so many times. You know, we tell these stories, you know, say, so well, you know why? I just keep telling them. Anybody ever, and I don't mean any disrespect to George Mueller. I don't mean any disrespect to those saints of old. But wouldn't it be great if God did something like that for you? Hallelujah. 
Huh? Wouldn't it be great if your God, the same God they serve, amen, would, amen, take time out of his busy schedule of taking care of the whole world just to do something like that for you? Amen. And make it real to you. And make it so you get excited about God. Man, you go across this country, churches are dying, man. They're dwindling. Why? Because nobody's excited about God anymore. Man, I'm telling you, I get flat excited about what God's doing. I walked into a church. You you, you know him, I'm sure. Out in a boondocks, Cuddy. I went in there 20-some years ago. All the other preachers, man, he inherited a mess. And all the other big shot preachers, man, they said, ah, ditch it, man. Dump it. Get out of here. God's done. He had me in. He said, you were my last ditch effort. I said, I didn't know. I went by just like a year ago and preached again. He told the story in front of the church. That Sunday I went the first time, six people there. And he asked me, man, I mean, he, he, brother, what, what, what do you see? What, what do you think? I said, looks to me like God's trying to do something here. Because I saw six people that were like, while I was preaching. And man, they were just hungry. Feed me. You could read it all over their faces. Feed me. And man, I'm shoveling the book, man, as much as I could shovel. Quoting scripture. I said, looks to me like God's trying to do something here. He didn't say nothing. I went back 20 years later. I'd been there a couple times in between. I kept watching. The church kept growing. I went back 20 years later, about a year ago, something like that. I walked in. They've put an addition on the building. Now there's 105 people in the same building where there were six, but now there's an addition to hold them all. I got done preaching. He got up and he said, 20 years ago, he said, this man came here. When everybody else told me I should have locked the doors and left, this man said, I see God. Amen. God's trying to do something here. And he said, how many of y'all got saved since that time he was here when we had six? How many of y'all got saved since then? Well, three-fourths of the church raised their hand. He turned to me and he said, they're sure glad you encouraged me to stay with it. I said, I'm sure glad too, brother. What a blessing. Amen. What are you looking for? Are you looking for God? Preacher said it, man. What you, did, did you pray and say, God, would you feed me? Would you give me something tonight? Hey, man, I'm preaching. But you know what I said? God, Brother Spurgeon's going to preach. I need something. Give me something. Give me something that will light my fire. Man, Jeremiah's in the prison, and God's lighting his fire down in the prison. says, hey, Jeremiah, all you got to do is call unto me, and I will answer thee. And God does it right there in the prison house. And it's an answer of purpose. It's an answer of power. Amen. You know, so I'll preach it. Does them things really happen? Who was Elijah? Huh? What James tells us Elijah was? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> A man like under, subject under like passions, just like you and me. <clears throat> you know what that tells me? Elijah got mad sometimes. Elijah got the woe is me blues sometimes. I mean, some of that we got recorded for us. Huh? Well, oh, I'm the only one, God. Ain't nobody left. <clears throat> hey, man, they're all jumping ship today. Well, there's some here that ain't. Yeah. 
Amen. I'm telling you, it thrilled my soul to be here with Brother Spurgeon. A man been my friend ever since day one, still my friend, no matter what happens. Amen. And we're still, amen, going down the same road together. Different times sometimes, but we're on the same road. Amen. Some of getting in some of the same churches. He gets in some. I don't. I get in some. He don't. We all get in. We get in some. Amen. Or amen. You know what I'm talking about. Hey, man, listen, I don't care what you hear about how bad it's getting out there. It ain't got to be that way in here. You want to make it through the last days? Keep God first and foremost in everything you do. In everything you ever hope to be. In every dream, amen, in every plan, amen, you keep him first. And everything else is peripheral. Amen. He said over there in Matthew, he said, one of the gospels, he said, uh, no man having left father, mother, brother, sister, house, or land for my sake in the gospel, will I not repay him now in this time and hundredfold. But Dave, it's been a whole lot more than hundred, huh? Preacher, a whole lot more than a hundred. I mean, every time I come in this place, you know what I see? More God. God is not done, beloved. Just because the world's going to hell in a handbasket and religion and Christianity, amen, is going down the tubes, amen. God's people are going up, amen. And one of these days we're going up for good, amen. And then I see this. It's an answer of purity. Verse 8. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity. And you come from the life some of us came from. And, and to know that it's cleansed. To know that it's gone. I mean, you know where you realize where your sin is tonight? G-O-N-E. If you're saved, it's gone. Nobody can drag it up. Why are you trying to drag somebody else's up? You ever watch some of these folks, the folks that believe you can lose your salvation? They never lost theirs, number one. It's always somebody else. And they always got to bring up something from somebody's past. Well, you know, I remember when they, 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 shut up. The Bible says it's a shame to talk about that stuff, man. What are you doing dragging it up? Amen. I don't know where that came from. That's free. It's not in my notes. Amen. I mean, look at this thing, man. It's an answer of purity. Man, when God Almighty himself washes you in the blood, you are pure. As pure as you're ever going to get until you get a new body. Amen. It's an answer of promise. Verse 14. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. (laughs) That day's coming still, beloved. It ain't too far out. Amen. Just a few years. Amen. It's an answer of preservation and salvation. Verse 16. In those days shall Judah be saved and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherewith she shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Brother, the arm of the Lord is not shortened that he cannot save. Amen. Uh, listen, uh, you know, God is the ancient of days, but he's not an old man. You get that? 
He's still just as powerful as he ever was. Amen. Amen. He's still got the power to save to the uttermost them that will come unto him by Christ Jesus. Amen. The only one he won't save is the one that won't come. The only one he won't help is the one that won't call. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far backslid you got. I don't care what rock you're hiding under. Amen. I'm telling you right now, if you'll call out to God, he'll answer you right where you're at. He'll meet you right where you're at and bring you up. Amen. To where he wants you to be. If you'll just let him. Amen. It's an answer of protection. He said, Jerusalem shall dwell safely in verse 16. Protection. There's Jeremiah in prison. Hey, did prison kill Jeremiah? Nope. God protected him through it all. Oh, man, but it's getting, it's getting so crazy out there. I just don't know. Oh, oh my. Reckon God will take care of me. Man, you want a fun one? Go in the hospital and have the doctor give up on you. And then tell him, don't worry, doc, it'll be okay. He thinks you flipped your lid. Amen. I've had that happen. Amen. I mean, hey, what are you going to do? Threaten me with heaven? I mean, hey, man, where I'm going is far better than what I'm doing right now. Amen. I'm going to get out of this body. Amen. I'm going to get out of the thing that's fought me the most all these years. And I'm going to get one who won't fight me anymore. Amen. You talk about protection, man. I mean, a guy came up one time in New Guinea. We're out in a bush, big bush way back, building a church. And this guy comes up and points a homemade shotgun in my face. Now, you've got to understand what homemade shotgun is. Homemade shotgun is a piece of pipe that's big enough to hold a 12-gauge shell. Okay. Now, there's no breech on it. You know what a breech is in a, in a gun, you know? That's what holds the bullet so they don't go backwards. There's no breach. But there's this little, you know, we call those things clothespin. You know, the spring-loaded clothespin with, with, with a little rubber band that holds this little nail-looking thing that's pointed right at the, what do you call that thing in the middle of the shell? I forgot. The thing that makes the shell go boom. Primer, thank you. And that thing's pointed right there, and he's got this little, and all he's got to do, he's got it pointed, squeeze down on that thing, and that nail goes boom, and off it goes, right? Wait a minute, there's no breach. What happens if that thing blows up in his face? I asked him, I said, you know, there's no breach on that thing. I said, if that thing blows up and goes the wrong way and blows you up, where are you going to go? Huh? I said, where are you going to go? Uh, huh? I said, if that thing blows up in your face, look at it, man. There's nothing to keep that shell from blowing backwards. I said, that thing blows backwards, it kills you. Amen. And where do murderers go? And the guy, I, 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 I said, look, man, you're an attempted murderer is just the same. If you die in the attempt, you're going to the same place the murderer went. Amen. Ah, the guy goes out running out through the bush, man, screaming. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you, man, protection, an answer of protection. Amen. Amen. Call unto me. Best thing you can do. You know, it really breaks my heart and grieves my soul. Brother Spurgeon alluded to it a little bit, but I remember, Brother David, in the early days, remember we would preach and the altars would be packed with young men, young women, surrendering their life, man, to serve Jesus Christ for whatever he wanted them to do. 
I settled it tonight. I got saved. I said, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. But God, please help. And I meant it. God took me at my word. And that's exactly what I've been doing ever since, man. I go wherever he says go. I, amen. I stay as long as he says stay. I leave when he says leave. Amen. And look what God's done. But now, one here, one there. Where's all the young folks that are willing to give it all up for God? I beseech you, therefore, brethren. That means I beg you. And Paul said, therefore. Why? Because you read back a little while. Paul's already experienced some things. Paul already knows. And he knows what mercy that they sang about, what God will do in mercy. He said, man, because of all that, I'm begging you, man. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. That's this thing right here, all of it. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Paul knew. He knew what a sacrifice was. He was a Jew, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, trained under Gamaliel. He knew the law better than anybody there. He knew what it meant to be a sacrifice. He knew that when that sacrifice came in, it didn't go out. It died right there. I saw something on that what, on the, the martyr that down there in South America, the pilot, Elliot. His father and another man were standing at the, at the altar of the church where he surrendered from to go. And they're standing there, and he, the, the brother from the church says, I'm sure it's really sorry about Jim that he lost his life down there in South America. And his dad said, no. No, Jim didn't lose his life in South America. He lost his life right there when he gave it to Jesus Christ. See, if he's got it, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, there's a paradox in that thing. A sacrifice dies, but this one gets to live. People look at our rigs, Brother Dave, and they say, uh, uh, you got your camper with you? I said, no. Well, what's that hooked to your truck? I said, that's my house. But it's a camper. No, it's my house. So what do you mean by that? I'm not camping. I'm living. And that's what I live in. Amen. I'm living. This is life. And I'm having a time of my life. Please don't feel sorry for me. But they've mentioned breakdowns. They happen. Amen. I mean, and you sometimes you're driving down the road and parts are falling off behind you. Amen. And you need a new one. And that one's only four years old. Amen. God's got to do something. Amen. And what do you do? That's living. But every time something's ever happened, you all heard the story when I was here last time about the truck. I mean, the whole Ford dealership got the gospel because God allowed my truck to break down at the spot where there was a Ford dealership to work on it. And the best Ford mechanic for the diesels there is in the country was right there. God knows what he's doing. He don't make no mistakes. He's got a purpose, amen, and he'll answer you with purpose when he answers you. 
He'll answer you with purity. He'll answer you with promise. He'll answer you with protection. He'll answer you with provision. Mm. My, my, my. My wife and I this summer got to fill the freezer. We got a little old freezer up in Pennsylvania. And we got to fill the freezer with beef. For, for the first time in years, it wasn't speed beef. What's that? Deer meat. <laughs> I'll take it. Amen. I like deer meat. <laughs> I'm not complaining. But pure Pennsylvania grass-fed beef. Amen. Roast. Amen. I'm telling you, he'll answer you with provision. Not only that, when his answer comes, it'll put praise in your mouth. Said there in verse 9, it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. You know what we're doing? We're trying to tell you our stories. Why? So you can hear of the goodness of God. And what God's done for us is the same exact thing He wants to do for you. He wants to fill your cup to where your saucer can't hold it. Amen. And you need, I mean, instead of a saucer plate, man, you need a big old platter. Amen. Just to catch it all. Amen. And even then it runs over. Why? Because the goodness of God is everywhere, man. When you are in the place you're supposed to be and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're not doing it so somebody will go and pat you on the back, but you're doing it for His glory and for His honor and for His praise because He's worthy. Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Maybe one night this week, if the Lord will let me, I want to show you, tell you, I have to paint the picture with words because they're not here. Show you what God's done. Because of the story God gave me. So what are you trying to say, preacher? You get these stories and you get these things where God helps you. You know what happens? Somebody's watching you. Somebody sees what God's doing for you. Somebody sees what God's doing in you. My father got saved because of what God did in me. He saw something different that he knew he did not have. And he wanted it, and he got it, and he's in heaven tonight because of what God did in his son. And my grandfather got saved, the meanest man in McKean County, they used to call him. He got saved because he saw what God did first in me, but then he really saw it in my dad, his son, and saw that an old drunkard was no longer under the power of a bottle. And my grandpa got saved. And there's folks all over this world. God, I told God, remember I told him I'd go wherever you want me to go. And that's still on the table. And I can't tell you how many times that's come up. I get in a jam. And I get to wondering. And I get to, you know, trying to figure out what God's doing, where he's at. And God will say, 
to me. That offer is still on the table. Still there, Lord. I ain't taking it up, man. I don't want it took up, God. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this thing, man. I'm having the ride of my life. Lord, if you just let me finish this thing serving you, I'll be happy when I die. Nothing like it. Call unto me, and I will answer you. You can't get any better than that. That the God of glory would think on us. Psalm 40 verse 5 says he is. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy thoughts. Are they wonderful works in thy thoughts which are to usward? More than can be ordered up and, and numbered up in, in, in number. You know, if you number them, you can't even number them. But not only does he think on us, but his ear is open. Wait a minute. Hold it, hold it, hold it. All y'all calm down back there. I know you're having a great time up here, but all y'all calm down. This is one of my children. You really need, you need to hear what he's talking about. Okay, yeah, we're going to do that for him. Watch. Amen. I mean, listen, man, God is willing to put heaven on hold for you. And he'll answer you if you'll just call. What is it you need tonight? Call unto me. That's all he asks. I mean, I can see it. I'm through with this. But I've thought about this many times. I can see Mrs. Lot as they walked out of Sodom with one command, don't look back. And I can see as in her heart, she's missing what's back there. And, and she's kind of doing this, you know, not, and I can see the Lord from heaven saying, please don't, please don't, please don't look back, please don't look back, no, 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 please don't look back, I don't want to put this judgment on you, please don't look back. Finally she turned and she became a pillar of salt. God thinks enough about you, he created you. Special for him. Amen. You've got a personality that nobody else in the world has. That God put in your soul. He put in your spirit that makes you who you are. And if there's one place in heaven where there'll be tears after tears are wiped away from us. I believe it'd be in the heart of God. As he looks out over heaven and sees all those there. And remembers others that should have been there that aren't. Friend, God's got a purpose for you. And he wants you to fulfill what he created you for. And then not only did he create you for it, he saved you so you could do it. Amen. Father, best I know how I do is told me to do. Lord, I pray it's been a help and a blessing. Speak to hearts now, I pray in Jesus' name. Altar's open. I think we need to have an altar call. Others are coming. Uh, both messages tonight, I was talking to Brother Dave just before the service, and I said there's a lot of people out sick, but it's not the people that's out sick, it's those that are here, is the one that's going to get the message. God has a message for you here tonight. 
Uh, Jeremiah is one of my favorites. It's called the Weeping Prophet. In, in chapter 1, it says the word, verse 4, it says, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, it's God talking. This is to you, brother, and this is to you. Brethren, behold, I formed thee in the belly. I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. He called Jeremiah before Jeremiah was even born, before he's even thought. God, it's not God that stops in our lives, it's us. He has, like they said, both of them said the same thing. He has a purpose for us. He has that. We hinder that. You know what I'm going to tell you? We got an altar call. Look at the altar. There's a bunch of people down there. Room for you too. There's always room. What you need to do is I'm going to give you a suggestion. Say, hey, Lord, what would you have me to do? You know what the, where it starts is right there on your knee, just like I did. I stood behind a building in Pensacola, Florida, going through Bible college. I had no idea. Everybody else there, they already knew what they oh, I'm going to be this. I'm going to be this. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to be, man. I, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm hoping I can get out of this thing and make it. I went behind the building on a muddy night, got on my knees, said, God, what do you want me to do? And I stayed out there for a little while, and I got up. Nobody knew that, but the Lord did. You know what he did? He said, do you really want to know? He goes, you called and you asked, and I'm going to show you. You know how I got saved? Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be. I said, ask where? Seek where? Knock where? I got somewhere, and I started asking. And he showed. You know, he wants to show you some great he wants to show each and every one of us some great and mighty things. But the thing is, is you have to ask. It isn't just going to happen. Everybody thinks this thing's just going to happen. No, it don't just happen. God's already made the provision. But he's looking for somebody to take him up on the deal. I took him up. Brother Dave took him up. You know why I like these two men? Because I was there when they were there. I was, they're still here today, many years later. There's other men that aren't. The, the altar's still open. Got time. Got time, brother.